0: Hello and welcome to Just Past Dark Hi there,
1: how's everybody doing today? We are excited to have you here with us
0: We sure are, especially since we are, oh Talking about the infamous Richard Ramirez Uh so spooky Like he's one of the
1: serial <laughs> killers That seriously seems creepy I mean, obviously anyone that's killing someone is creepy, but he seems extra creepy to me for some reason.
0: He does... You know what? It's his, like, face. Like, when you look at him, he just looks like he's got that look, like that Manson look. Like, you just know that he's evil of some sort.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it is. And his whole the devil is who I worship, and he has caused all this and he gives me strength and it the whole thing together just adds to the creep factor
0: it does and not to mention that we have tried (laughs) to record this episode i don't know how many times and something always happens when we go to record it so
1: (laughs) i was just thinking that too i was like it is Finally, we're recording it, but it has seemed for a while like, okay, maybe we should say we're going to talk about something else and then just like segue because (laughs) he does not want us talking about him.
0: Sneak him him in there. (laughs) (laughs) So keep your fingers crossed, people. We will get through this episode. (laughs)
1: yes and if you're listening Mm. and like suddenly the sound goes out know that when we put it up it was working so
0: (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) it's him (sighs) it is him coming back from the grave Um, so let's see he started out in Texas he was born in I think it was El Paso uh, 1960 Um, but of course all his killings were in California
1: yes He had a pretty messed up childhood too. I mean, I guess anyone who becomes a serial killer, you always, I think the first thing we ask is why? Why would you kill these people? Why Mm -hmm. would they kill these people? And with him, I feel like um, definitely his life before, had something to do with why he ended up murdering people.
0: I, uh, I believe that too. If you, um, well, let's, let's go back. Let's see. He was, uh, five. There were, he was the youngest of five. Um, his father was a former, uh, policeman Mm -hmm. in Mexico. Um, what did his mom do? Da, da, da. I don't know. Hmm. We'll find that. Uh, but his dad did like beat him and things mm-hmm. like that physical abuse. Uh, so that's one strike against him right there. Um, but then when he was about 12, he had an older cousin that was just coming back from Vietnam. And I think this is where he gets fucked up right here.
1: I think so, too. Definitely. Um, his cousin was... Well, I mean, he exposed him to something that you normally wouldn't expose a kid to. And he's, like, more than happy when they interviewed him and stuff to talk about this happening. Which is kind of creepy that he was so excited by... He showed him some pictures.
0: Yeah, he was, like, boasting and stuff about all the stuff he did in Vietnam. He had those, the Polaroids of the women. And some of them he raped. I mean, he's telling this 12-year-old kid all of this. Um, Some of them are severed heads. Uh, You know, I don't even want to see this. And I'm a grown-ass woman. I... (laughs) I can't imagine a 12-year-old kid, you know, talking about this with his cousin saying, hey, you know, I did this and I did this and I killed this one and I raped this one and posing with these severed heads. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and then he eventually, later on, his cousin actually shot his wife in front of Richard. He shot his wife in front of him and you know, I mean that's the kind of thing that I mean, there's other people who have like, turned out normal like they've seen something horrible and they turned out normal Um, but I think it was that combined with like just some general awfulness in his really early life, just um, I looked, and his mother worked in a boot factory. That was what I was trying to
0: find. Okay.
1: Um, because they said she was really she was exposed to lots of chemicals when she was pregnant, and all his siblings had like obvious birth defects. So you know something also was going on with him.
0: Yes, that's what it sounds. Like. So he had all these strikes against him just starting out. Um, let's see, he dropped out in the ninth grade of school. And then, um, by the time he was 22, he moved to California.
1: Yes. He, um, I guess when he dropped out, he lived with his sister and her husband for a while, which Wikipedia calls her husband, like an obsessive peeping Tom who took him with him. (laughs) So maybe he learned like. How to, you know, maybe kind of stalk people.
0: It sounds like it, yeah. Because he, I mean, especially if he took him with him, you know, to to go on his peeping tom exploits. I guess would be a good one. (laughs) Then, um, yeah. Then he's definitely so he's got a fucked up brother in law, a fucked up cousin, and his dad messed him up. Doesn't sound too good.
1: Yeah, just a whole lot of really bad stuff going on and then like you said he went to he he left and went to california and he he was like i think they said he was like 22 when he left and went to california so he was still doing some other kind of crazy stuff in texas until he left
0: well yeah they said like he worked at a local hotel or something and he used to rob people while they were sleeping that takes balls I'm sorry but yes to just go in into you know like oh holiday and it was holiday and so imagine somebody you know you're sleeping and somebody is using the key and they come into yeah I mean that really takes a lot of balls I would never do that
1: no that's crazy I mean It's one thing. I mean, not that I'm advocating for, like, robbing people. Okay, (laughs) I don't mean that this way. But to break into, like, an empty hotel room, like, while the tourists are out doing whatever, and you're, like, the cleaning person, you go in, you steal. That sucks. It's wrong. Don't do it. But that's, you know, not the same as going in while they're in there asleep and robbing them.
0: Right. Exactly,
1: And I think about what he must have learned about how to be quiet and how to get in and out without being caught. Because he did it enough that they didn't even fire him until someone came in and caught him trying to rape their sleeping wife. Like he didn't even get fired for stealing.
0: But yeah, attempting to rape his wife and then the guy, the husband like beat the crap out of him. Um, but then they had to drop the charges because they lived out of state, so they weren't going to come back to testify.
1: That's crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, for them to just be like, "Okay, this is this is fine. That's we're gonna, we're just not going to come back. We're glad it's over, and we don't want to do it." Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, for let's forget about it, right? So okay, so then we jump to when he's 22. So that would be what. So 1982 is when he moved to California, looks like. And then he committed the first murder in 84. So two years. So maybe something, something must have triggered him. I mean, for him to last two years.
1: Yeah, it has to have for him to be able to suddenly start in you know i mean he gets there and it took him a while though before he started doing anything and they don't have a lot of information probably because he just kind of got to california and blended in i mean it was the early 80s which okay i have to tell you this freaks me out all the time because i was alive then and yes (laughs) You know, when you hear about, like, Charles Manson and stuff, and you're like, that was awful, but it was a long time ago, because it happened before I was born. And so, but Ramirez happened while we were here. And and I was, like, of an age to be paying attention and thinking about things. I was, like, 12. I mean, I was still a kid, but that's, you know, old enough to... I mean not that I was paying attention to it I wasn't I was like riding my bike but still it, it it always amazes me that it wasn't that long ago I mean he was still alive until 2013 wasn't that long ago and that's really awful
0: <laughs> Yeah it is um Ugh, it's just, yeah, it's scary. And, 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 you know, there's lots of weird stuff going on in the world. And, but yeah, he is one from our time. You're definitely correct. And again, I was just like you, I was out riding my bike, wasn't paying attention, but yeah, I mean, this little girl was only nine the first one and that's younger than us at that age. So that's fucked up. Yeah. And um but they didn't realize he wasn't attributed to killing her until years later because they let's see, she was nine, um, May Lung. Long I mean, I know, I'm bad with names. Don't kill me. Um yeah. <laughs> and uh he killed her in the basement of the hotel where he was living. Um this was in San Francisco. Um, but he did rape her and beat her before stabbing her to death. And then he hung her from a pipe. So they're saying this was his first known killing. So it's possible he did do something before that. But it wasn't until 2009 when they ran DNA for some reason and it matched him.
1: Yeah. And kind of really scary thing about that is it matched him. But then... They disclosed years later in 2016, like after he's dead, that they had evidence that there was a second person there while he killed her. They had a DNA sample that was his and one that was not his. They haven't said who it is. They say the person was a juvenile. And they don't have enough evidence to bring charges. So potentially there is someone like, I don't know, who was maybe learning from him, looking up to him. God only knows what was going on. But they were a juvenile at the time. So they wouldn't be like that old now. They could be like our age. They could still be totally in kill mode
0: the police know who it is anyway. So, I mean, they have the DNA. They know who it is in case that person, I'm sure, obviously has never done anything like that again with, well, or gotten caught with their DNA. So, I don't know. It's messed up.
1: It's very messed up. I'm just like, this is crazy. So disturbing to think that they're Could have been another person there that just watched him do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Watched and well, and possibly helped too, as well. But
1: right, yeah, was part of this little girl being murdered. And you know, we think of, oh, well, Ramirez did this, 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 and now he's gone, but somebody isn't. But that isn't what they arrested him for now the first crime that he actually was charged with happened a few months after that. They didn't even know about this little girl at the time.
0: No, they didn't. And yeah, everything kind of goes quick after this. Uh, He moved up to LA and then, um, yeah, it was that LA area. Then he started uh, the, the next one was June, end of June 28th, 1984. 79-year-old. So that's like 70 years difference between his victims. Nothing in common.
1: And I have to – you have to think that must be have made it really hard to find a it, pattern.
0: Ridiculous. I mean, I can't even imagine the police back then are like, uh, you know, what the fuck? It's like men, women, different ages, kids. It's It doesn't add up.
1: Right. And I mean, I'm sure anybody listening to this is like us and you've watched like you've watched CSI and SVU and Criminal Minds and all this stuff. You've seen Mind Hunter, and you hear about patterns. It's a pattern. They do this. They do this. They do this. You know, Ted Bundy was looking for women who looked like this. He was, you know, and with Ramirez, when you read about the people he killed and we're going to you know give you at least an overview of everybody you're going to hear that it was like 9795022 you know it just was crazy and how they ever caught him is is pretty amazing because it's so different it's so many different things
0: so i'm just wondering if because a lot of them happened while um You know, he also stole from them. So I'm wondering if he just went in there initially with the intention of stealing. And then once he was in there, you know, his mind got all fucked up. He started hearing voices. He started something, you know, and then he just totally did a 360. And obviously, you know, really, really, really bad things.
1: (laughs) You know, I don't know. And it's so hard to say because hes he literally was not any help. He said he was all hail Satan. He said the devil protected him. I read that he told them at one point it didn't matter if they said they were putting him to death because the devil would never allow them to kill him. And interestingly... That's exactly what happened. I mean, not the devil, but they never put him to death. He sat on death row forever, but they did not put him to death. He died of cancer.
0: Um, So, yeah, 79-year-old Jenny Vinkow. um, This was in L.A. She lived in Glassell Glassell, Glassell Park. Um, He repeatedly stabbed her while she was sleeping. He slashed her throat so deep that she was almost decapitated. Crazy. Um, And then, yeah, they found Ramirez's fingerprint on the the screen when he removed it to gain entry into her bedroom. Yeah.
1: He didn't even care. He wasn't wearing gloves. He was like, whatever. But he literally kept saying stuff like that the, you know, the devil would protect him and he never worried about it. And it was, I mean, the the next murder was a while later, but then it got, like, bam, 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 bam. Like, the next one wasn't until March of 85. So, for something between June and March, he wasn't killing people. I mean, he moved a little further north in California, but not a whole lot. I'm and on march 17th 85 he attacked a 22 year old named maria hernandez in rosemead california um he they said he shot her in the face with a 22 caliber handgun after she pulled into her garage But she survived because the bullet ricocheted off the keys, and she had the keys in her hands. She put her hands up to protect herself. The bullet ricocheted off them. Her roommate, a 34-year-old guy, heard the gunshot. Oh, no, a 34-year-old girl, but her name's Dale, so whatever. Anyway, um, she heard the gunshot and hid when she saw him come into the kitchen, I'm super glad it was a girl. Cause I was like, really the dude hid what it was. He should have jumped him. So she hid. And I know that's sexist. Like the guy can hide too, but, um, <laughs> and <laughs> of course, if it was like my son, I would be like, you hide and get out, let them kill that girl. But, <laughs> um, So it was a girl, and she hid. But when she popped her head up to, like, see where he was, he shot her right in the head.
0: Oh, because he saw her. Ah. Um,
1: And within, and then he, like, took off. And within an hour, he had pulled a 30-year-old woman out of her car in Monterey Park, California, shot her twice with the 22 and run and then like ran away. And so two murders and an attempted third in one day got him like tons of wow. media attention. And they started calling him the walk-in killer, the valley intruder, and described him as curly-haired with bulging eyes and wide-spaced, rotting teeth. Which sounds really gross. But yeah, three people in a day.
0: So then it looks like he took a little break, 10 days. uh, March 27th, 85. Then he entered another home. But he previously burglarized that same home. A year late, uh, a year earlier, I'm sorry, and that was in Whittier, California. Um, they're saying it was approximately 2 a.m. He killed uh, the sleeping Vincent Zazara, who was 64 years old, gunshot. Now he's moved on to gunshot to his head from a 22 caliber again, uh, and then his wife was 44. She woke up from the gunshot, and Ramirez beat her. Bound her hands while demanding to know where the valuables were. Um, then he ransacked the room. She escaped her, whatever he had her tied up in. She retrieved a shotgun from under the bed, but it wasn't loaded. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I was
1: going to be like, yes, go, Maxine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that pissed him off. <laughs> um, of course. And then, yeah. So he shot her three times with the 22. Uh, Then he, not only that, he got a large carving knife from the kitchen and decided he wanted to mutilate her body by stabbing her several times. Then he gouged out her eyes and placed them in a jewelry box, and then he took that with him.
1: Which, you know, obviously he snapped. Like, it's crazy that he just was like, okay shooting oh bitch you're gonna point a gun at me now i'm gonna dig your eyes out he like flipped out
0: yeah and then uh, when they did do the autopsy it was determined that all the mutilating that he did was post-mortem he did leave pair of footprints from a pair of avia sneakers okay i've never worn those I have... Nope, not me. <laughs> I have some of those.
1: They're like orange. <laughs> Mine are like orange and aqua blue. So hopefully his were not those colors.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, he left uh, his footprint from the sneakers in uh, the flower beds. Uh, the police photographed them. They cast them. And that was basically the only evidence that they had at the time. Um, but they did match the bullets from that scene. To those from the previous attacks. Um, And that's when. I believe the police realized. That a serial killer was at large. Yep. March 27th.
1: Yeah. So they went. Okay. This. These match. Because he was using his 22. And. It sounds like he used it. A few times. So. Um, I I don't think, and and I think having the problem also of in California at that time there were a few different serial killers operating at the same time, um. Yeah, and they got they called a couple of them Night Stalker because I think they weren't really certain who was doing what for a while and I mean LA was still recovering from like the zodiac and the green river killer from the early or the late 70s and you know um and then they had they had Richard Ramirez happening and at the same time there was like like that The Golden State Killer and that Charles Snig guy, but he was more in Northern California but still, there were like a few of them and the Golden State Killer and the Night Stalker both got called the Night Stalker and I think that made it really hard I think that's why, you guys are gonna see, like we told you a few murders there's a lot more, I think that's how we got away with so many
0: Yes, and so, I mean, the time in between them is not long at all
1: Yeah, they had uh, no chance because that, um, what Darlene just talked about, happened in March of 85. And then May 14th of 85, he went back to Monterey Park, which is where, if you remember, in March... In mid-March, he had yanked a woman out of her car and shot her. So he went back to Monterey Park, went into the home of Bill Doy, um, who was 66, had a disabled wife named Lillian, who was 56. He surprised them in the bedroom, shot the guy in the face with a 22, as the guy tried to get his own handgun. Um, He then beat him into unconsciousness, even though he was already mortally wounded, went into Lillian's bedroom, bound her with thumb cuffs, which are like, they lock your thumbs together. They're like handcuffs for your thumbs. As Do you remember
0: when your kid they used to call them those Chinese handcuffs and you stuck your thumb? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking when you, but I know that's not what it is. But they're, but they're I, like
1: that. <laughs> they hook your thumbs together so you can't get your hands apart. Like, and they're okay. they're much smaller than like handcuffs. So you don't, you like literally can't move your hands apart. Um, he put those on this disabled woman. I don't know how she was disabled, but he put them on the, her and raped her. Um. Took their valuables and left. He didn't kill her, but he raped her and her husband died of injuries while in the hospital.
0: Crazy. So that was what, the 14th of May? So 15 days later. So May 29th, 85. Then he stole a Mercedes and went to Monrovia. And now I don't know, you're out in that neck of the woods. I don't know how far that is. Monrovia, California?
1: I don't know, but I'm going to find out while you're telling the story.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, And he stopped at the house of, they called her, uh, it was Mabel Ma. Everybody must have called her Ma Bell, which is funny. Ma Bell is the telephone company, right? Uh, She was 83. Uh, She lived with her sister, Florence Lang. Uh, They called her Nettie. She was 81. Uh, He found a hammer in the kitchen. He bludgeoned and bound the invalid Uh, Nettie in her bedroom then bound and bludgeoned bell before using an electrical cord to shock the woman after raping Lang. He used bell's lipstick to draw a pentagram on her thigh, as well as on the walls of both bedrooms. They were discovered two days later. Both women were found alive, but in a coma. Uh, And then bell later died of her injuries.
1: And I looked, and Monrovia is about a 20-minute drive from um, Monterey Park. So he was still pretty close, same area.
0: Crazy. And then, um, so yeah, so he, one died, one didn't. He raped and beat them. Then the very next day, he drove to Burbank. I know where that's at. That's like right outside of L.A.
1: Yeah, and that's only 20 minutes, like, 20 to 30 minutes from Monrovia. So he's, like, not driving very far. Like, he's staying. I would think this would still involve generally the same cops.
0: Mm-hmm. L.A. area. It sounds like it's the, uh, the L.A. area.
1: Yeah, the whole L.A. area.
0: So, yeah. So in Burbank, he snuck into the home of Carol Kyle. She was 42. Do you see where we're going with this? Like how all these people are such different ages. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, It is. Um, He had that 22 with him. Um, He bound her and her 11 year old son was there with handcuffs. He ransacked the house. Um, He then released Kyle to tell him where the family's valuables were and then sodomized her repeatedly. That's. He also repeatedly ordered her not to look at him telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out uh, which he's done previously uh he fled the scene after retrieving the child from the closet and binding the two together again with handcuffs
1: it's awful it was like the very next day and then about a month later cuz it was july 2nd he didn't do anything in june but about a month later he drove a stolen Toyota to Arcadia, California. So Arcadia and um, 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 Monrovia are basically the same town. Arcadia is like five minutes from Monrovia. So he went over to Burbank and then he was like in Monrovia, drove 30 minutes to Burbank, drove 30 minutes back to Arcadia. It's, it's like going back the same way. Arcadia and Moromia are basically next to each other. Um, and so he went back there. And he decided that he would randomly select a house. They, it was apparently random. I guess he's told them it was random. Um, and the woman was 75. Now, there was like older ladies then there was like a mother and her son who she was like middle age. now we have another older lady um but what seems to be a little similar at least to me is if they're not disabled they have someone else there who i mean he you can control a mom by threatening her kid like that's all you have to do he wouldn't have had to do anything to her he wouldn't have had to tie her up he wouldn't have had to do anything all he would have had to say was i'm gonna kill that kid and she'd have been like sure i'll do whatever but um so this older woman he quietly entered she was a widowed grandmother he found her asleep bludgeoned her unconscious with a lamp And then repeatedly stabbed her using a 10-inch butcher knife from her kitchen. She was found dead at the crime scene. He didn't rob her. He didn't do anything. He just walked in the house. He was like, hey, I'm in Arcadia. Let me just go in here and kill somebody. Killed her and left.
0: July 2nd. Crazy. And then it was three days later, July 5th. He strikes again in Sierra Madre, California.
1: Which is basically Arcadia also. It's like within five to seven minutes.
0: And now he's going backwards. He bludgeoned a 16-year-old, Whitney Bennett, with a tire iron while she was asleep in her bedroom. Uh, He was searching all over for a knife from in the kitchen. Um, Then he attempted to strangle her with a telephone cord. Uh, He was startled to see sparks emanate from the cord. And when his victim began to breathe, what do you think he did? He fled. <laughs> uh. no. He fled the house believing that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her. She survived the savage beating, which required oh
1: my God.
0: <laughs> 478 stitches to close up her head or scalp. 478. I mean, I think the most stitches I've ever had on a cut have been, like, maybe 10? Yeah, me too. And, like, 10, 12, something, not 478. That's, like, your whole head. That's
1: crazy. Because, I mean, 478 stitches. And only didn't kill her because he felt like Jesus had intervened.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because of
1: random sparks.
0: Coming from the phone And
1: her line. <laughs> not being dead when he hit her with the tire iron. That's awful. Now, two days after that, apparently, though, he didn't think Jesus was pissed at him or anything enough to stop. Because two days after that, He burglarized the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, 61. So from 16 back to 61 in Monterey Park. Now Monterey Park is like 20 minutes away, half hour away. And it's back where he yanked the lady out of the car and where he put the thumb cuffs on the disabled woman after killing her husband. So he's back in Monterey Park. Breaks into the 61-year-old woman's house, Joyce Lucille Nelson, finds her asleep on the couch, beats her to death with his fists and by kicking her in the head. Hard enough that a shoe print from his Avia sneaker was left on her face. And then he left, cruised a couple other neighborhoods, came back to Monterey Park went into Sophie Dickman's house, who was 63, assaulted her, handcuffed her at gunpoint, attempted to rape her, stole her jewelry, and when she swore to him that he had taken everything of value, he told her to swear on Satan before leaving.
0: Crazy. Crazy. Um, Then he jumps to, he takes a couple week break, uh, July 20th, 85. Um, he purchased a machete. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. Oh, before geez. driving a stolen Toyota to Glendale. Now, I know Glendale is like next to... He's backtracking by Burbank. Um,
1: yes. Glendale's closer to Burbank. So, he went like... He went back toward Burbank. <laughs> Burbank. Burbank, like half an hour away from Monterey Park in his stolen car. Yeah.
0: Toyota... Um, he went to Leela Needing's house. She's 66 uh, with her husband Maxon. He's 68. He burst into the sleeping couple's bedroom, hacked them up with the machete, then killed them with shots to the head from his 22. Um, after that, he further mutilated their bodies with the machete before robbing the house of the valuables that he could find. Um, then he went and quickly fenced the stolen items. After he did that, he drove to Sun Valley. Uh, that's in the LA area as well. Um, at approximately 4.15 a.m., he broke into the home of the Covenant family. He shot the sleeping... Um chain a wrong Covenanth in the head with a twenty-five caliber. So he's got another gun. Killed him instantly. Then he repeatedly raped the wife. Um Samkid. Samkid Covenanth. Uh he beat, sodomized her. Uh he bound the couple's terrified eight-year-old son before dragging the mom around the house to reveal the location of any valuables. And as she was, you know, pointing him out, he was stealing them. During his assault, he demanded that she swear to Satan again um, and that she wasn't hiding any money or anything from him.
1: Oh, my gosh. And then, what, 17 days later? He drove on August 6th. He went to Northridge, California, which is still in that same area. It's about 20 minutes from Sun Valley and even further away from like Monterey Park and Sierra Madre, where he did a bunch of his killings. Now he's moving further out and he's in Northridge. He broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson and this is a young couple he crept into the bedroom startled virginia who was 27 shot her in the face with a 25 caliber semi-automatic handgun he then shot chris in the temple and attempted to flee but chris fought back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before ramirez escaped and both of them survived their injuries somehow,
0: so maybe that's what it is, so maybe he he does the older or younger because I was as soon as you said that that the they were a younger couple she was twenty seven um I'm thinking this guy probably kicked his ass, and yeah he he doesn't get as much conflict with older people or you know kids, maybe that's what it was all about for him
1: maybe maybe it was they weren't as likely to fight back and maybe sometimes he i don't know did he want the younger people to fight back maybe i don't know
0: i guess we will never know so that was when the august 6th and then two days later august 8th he drives a stolen car to diamond bar california Uh. Which
1: is way over an hour away. And it's like back... It's back toward Burbank and Arcadia and stuff, but it's even further. It's like over by Pomona and like that kind of thing. So it's like over an hour away. It's like he went past Los Angeles. So
0: he goes to the home of... Forgive me for the mispronunciation. Uh, Sakina Abawath. She was 27. And her husband, uh, Elias. I don't know if they're pronouncing it like that. Elias. Elias. He's 31. Okay, so it's another younger couple. Uh, Sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house, went into the master. He instantly killed the sleeping husband. Okay, so he took care of that right away. With a shot from the head. Uh, to the head from a twenty, his twenty-five caliber. He handcuffed and he beat the wife while forcing her to reveal the locations of the family's jewelry, as he seems to do quite a bit. Uh, then he brutally raped and sodomized her. He repeatedly demanded that she swear on Satan that she wouldn't scream during his assaults. Then the three-year-old son entered the bedroom. He tied the child up, and he continued to rape the mom. That's, uh, Yeah, after he left, it is, it's sickening. Um, after Ramirez left the home, she untied her son and sent him to the neighbors for help.
1: That's now, crazy. what happened is he's been doing all this in generally the same area. I mean, we're talking like half an hour here, seven minutes here, 30 minutes here, an hour here. But when you're looking at crimes, it's all the same place. It's all Los Angeles. And he's been following the media coverage of his crimes. So he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And he went to the San Francisco Bay Area, which is like seven hours away. Um, And 10 days later, He walked into the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. This is an older couple again. Peter is 66, sleeping. He shoots him in the head with a 25 caliber handgun, then beats and sexually assaults Barbara, who's 62, before shooting her in the head and leaving her for dead. At their house. He uses lipstick to scrawl a pentagram and the phrase, Jack the Knife, on the bedroom wall. When it was discovered, the ballistics and shoe print evidence from the Los Angeles crimes matched the pan-crime scene, San Francisco's mayor, Diane Feinstein, divulged the information in a televised press conference. Okay, so she, like, completely, like, blabbed that. like. He does this and she announces, this guy is the same guy. And the detective get pissed because they're like, what the fuck? So they knew he would be because they knew he was following media coverage and it gave him the opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. He was watching. They were right. He dropped his size 11 and a half avia sneakers over the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that night. And remained in the area a few more days before heading back to Los Angeles.
0: Ah. So, yeah. I guess if I was a detective, I'd be pissed, too. But I understand she's like, hey, be on the lookout. You know, I could see both sides. Yeah.
1: I mean, as a person, I would have wanted her to blab because, like, I want to know. But as a detective, I can see where it would be like, the fuck are you doing You've just told him that we know it's him. You've let him know that he's doing something that we're following.
0: Crazy. So, yeah, you're right. He went back um, to the L.A. area. So it's six days later, August 24th. Didn't take him that long. Uh, It says he traveled 76 miles south of L.A. in another stolen uh, orange Toyota to Mission Viejo, Uh, That night, he got to the home of James Romero Jr., who just returned from a family vacation uh, to Rosarita Beach in Mexico. His son, 13-year-old James Romero III, happened to be awake and he heard Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. So thinking there was a prowler, James went to wake his parents and Ramirez fled the scene. He then raced outside and noted the color make and style of the car, as well as a partial license plate. Uh, Then Romero contacted the police with the information, believing James had chased away a thief. So that was good. That was real good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely very good. And right after that... Same area, I'm assuming, because we don't have any notes that he left or went anywhere. He broke into the house of Bill Carnes, who was 30, and his fiance, Inez Erickson, who was 29. He came in through a back door, went into their bedroom, woke the guy up by cocking his 25 caliber handgun, shot him three times in the head, then told the woman that he was the night stalker. Forced her to swear she loved Satan as he beat her with his fists and bound her with neckties from the closet. He then stole everything he could find, dragged her to another room to rape and sodomize her, demanded cash and more jewelry, and made her swear on Satan that there wasn't any more. Which, I mean... I know, but look, dude, it doesn't matter if they swear on Satan or not. They could still be lying, but sure. He seems, like, really intent on if you swear on Satan, you're telling the truth. But this dragging people around, and before leaving, he told her, tell them the Night Stalker was here. She untied herself, went to a neighbor's house to get help for her severely injured fiancé, Surgeons removed two of the bullets from his head and he survived his injuries. Oh, good. Yeah, very good.
0: Crazy. Um, so then, yeah, that was the last one, right? I think that was the last one. She gave a detailed yeah. description uh, to investigators. Uh, a police obtained a cast of his footprint from their house. Um, they found the stolen car on the 28th. In Wilshire Center in L.A. I think that's a mall or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And police obtained a single fingerprint from the rearview mirror, despite Ramirez's careful efforts to wipe the car clean of his prints. Um, Actually,
1: it's just a neighborhood. It's just the name of a neighborhood.
0: Oh, Wilshire LA Center. Weird. Yeah, that is.
1: Weird. Yeah, LA is stupid. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> the print. Hey. No offense. Yeah, no Los offense. Angeles people. <laughs> um, That's a
1: weird name.
0: <laughs> it yeah, it sounds like it's like a sports center or a mall or yeah, something. Yeah, like a
1: mall. Yeah.
0: Um, so then the the print, uh, they positively identified it as belonging to Ramirez, uh, who was described as the 25 year old drifter from Texas. He had a long rap sheet that included many arrests for traffic and illegal drugs. Got to remember, he started doing drugs at a really young age. Um, And law enforcement officials decided to release to the media the mugshot uh, from December 12th, 1984, uh, which we will try to post that picture, that mugshot picture um, that they released um, when we do the blog post on the it should be on there. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, and they, uh, and he was arrested that time for car theft. Um, and the Night Stalker finally had a face. Uh, at the police press conference, it was announced, "We know who you are now, and soon everyone else will. There will be no place you can hide." That's what they were telling him.
1: And it was true. They put his picture everywhere, and it it just strikes me so hard that. He was 24 years old when he started killing people and 25 when they arrested him. Like, Mm -hmm. he killed that many people, that many people in, like, a year. And on August 30th, he tried to take a bus to Tucson, Arizona, to visit his brother Unaware that he had become the lead story in virtually every major newspaper and television news program across California. That was a bad time to stop watching the news. Like he was paying attention to the media and suddenly he was like, I don't need to check. I don't know. But after failing to meet his brother, he returned to Los Angeles early on the morning of August 31st. Oh, maybe because he was on the bus, he was in Arizona, there was no press coverage really in Arizona, so he wasn't even thinking about it. He was in Arizona, he's coming back, and he gets to Los Angeles early on the morning of August 31st walked past police officers who were staking out the bus terminal in hopes of catching the killer, should he attempt to flee on an outbound bus, went to a convenience store in East Los Angeles. After noticing a group of elderly Mexican women fearfully identifying him (laughs) as El Matador, which means the killer, He saw his face on the front pages on the newspaper rack and fled the store in a panic. He ran across the Santa Ana freeway, attempted to carjack a woman, but was chased away by bystanders who pursued him. After hopping over several fences and attempting two more carjackings, he was eventually subdued by a group of residents, one of whom struck him over the head with a metal bar. (laughs) They held him down and beat him until the police arrived (laughs) and took him into custody.
0: (laughs) Gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) So he
1: walked past some cops, and like, if it weren't for those old Mexican ladies and everybody that like came and jumped him that's awesome that it was just some regular people who got him and that they hit him over the head with a metal bar because he seemed to like to do that to people
0: (laughs) yeah Ugh. so good so he's caught um then he's going to uh jury selection for the trial began July 22nd, 88. So, why it took like almost three years, I have no idea.
1: Court's slow, maybe. Court is just slow. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: the first time he went to court, he raised a hand with a pentagram drawn on it and yelled, Hail Satan. Uh, August 3rd, 88, the LA Times reported. On August 3rd, 88, the LA Times reported that some jail employees overheard him. Ramirez planning to shoot the prosecutor with a gun, which Ramirez intended to have smuggled into the courtroom. Okay. Consequently, a metal detector was then installed outside. So he's the reason why we have metal detectors everywhere. Uh,
1: <laughs> Maybe in like courtrooms and stuff. It might be.
0: Um, and intensive searches were conducted on the people that were entering.
1: And So his trial started. But on August 14th, it was interrupted because one of the jurors, Phyllis Singletary, did not arrive at the courtroom. Later that day, she was found shot to death in her apartment. The jury was terrified and couldn't help wondering if he had somehow directed this event from inside his prison cell and whether he could reach them Which, okay, yeah, you'd be scared, especially when he's all, I'm devil man. Um, It was ultimately determined. Now, okay, they say that they determined that he was not responsible for it, that she was shot and killed by her boyfriend. But this boyfriend later committed suicide with the same weapon in a hotel. I don't know. It seems weird. I I know I'm I'm crazy and I believe in weird stuff sometimes, but it seems weird that this woman, it, it just freaked everybody out. It didn't stop the trial. It didn't do anything, but it seems like something crazy that if he could have somehow made it happen, he would have just to freaking scare everybody because the juror that took her place was too frightened to even go to her house, to her own home.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, let's, um, aren't we going to be staying at the hotel, people?
1: Yeah, can't we Don't stay here? Don't you want
0: to
1: <laughs> <laughs> With the cops.
0: Yeah. I wanted a uh, stakeout all around, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, crazy. So then what? Uh, finally, September 20th, 1989. So this is well over a year after it starts. He was finally convicted of all charges. 13 counts of murder. Five attempted murders, eleven sexual assaults, and fourteen burglaries uh, during the penalty phase of the trial on November seventh, nineteen eighty nine he was sentenced to die in the gas chamber. Uh, he stated two reporters after the death sentence, big deal death always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland okay. The trial cost one point eight million which would be about just under 4 million in today's dollars. Uh and at that time it was the most expensive in the history of California until it got surpassed by OJ. OJ. Yeah.
1: Now again, we have Now he was nothing like um any of the other serial killers, except for the fact that there are some crazy people who decided that he was super handsome and Mm. they were fans and they decided to write him letters and pay him visits. Of course. If you're a woman who wants to do this as a currently single, like, middle-aged woman, let me just say, don't. You're fine. Uh You don't need him. Okay.
0: (laughs) You don't. Mm Just don't.
1: So, in 1985, Doreen Loy wrote him nearly 75 letters during his incarceration. In 1988, Mm -hmm. he proposed to her. On October 3rd, 1996, they were married in San Quentin. And for many years before his death she stated that she would kill herself if he was executed however somehow she came to her senses and eventually left him by mm. some estimates it would have been in his early 70s before his execution was carried out during his due to um, California's lengthy appeals process
0: mm-hmm. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, he did do some kind of appeal. Let's see. He did uh, August 7th, 2006 was his first round of state appeals. And then it ended unsuccessfully for him. Uh, the California Supreme Court upheld his conviction, convictions and death sentence. Um, and then on September 7th, they denied his request for a rehearing. But um, he did have different appeals pending until the time of his death.
1: And he died of complications secondary to B-cell lymphoma at Marin General Hospital in Green Bay, Green Bray, California, on June 7, 2013. He had also been affected by chronic substance abuse and chronic hepatitis C viral infection. At 53, he'd been on death row for more than 23 years.
0: Wow!
1: And then he was finally gone. But he has become like he's there's been there have been tons of movies about him. Anytime you hear Night Stalker, it's yeah, about yeah, him. yeah, because <laughs> they've now. Made him the Night Stalker. The other serial killers who were operating at the same time are now like the Golden State Killer and things like that. They no longer um, there's the East Area Rapist. They they no longer call anybody the Night Stalker, but yeah,
0: and like yeah, there are um, a couple different movies: uh, Night Stalker, The Night Stalker, and as we know, the current American horror is got him in there. <laughs>
1: Which if you're watching that, the dude playing him looks so much like the pictures of him that I just I'm like, I hope this guy doesn't really look like this in real life. I hope they have made him look more like this man, because otherwise, like people who meet him are going to be like, you're creepy and you look like richard ramirez so like i had to look him up to make sure he does not normally look like him thank goodness but <laughs> he looks so much like him it's kind of disturbing
0: um, but i read now see that was the one i did there was a couple seasons of american horror i didn't watch hotel was one of them and apparently ramirez they featured him also in that hotel the fifth season
1: they Huh. Did the hotel? It's weird, but it ends up being a bunch of serial killers that come dead serial killers who meet on Halloween. Oh <laughs> who meet on Halloween night in the hotel
0: at the hotel <laughs> to have
1: dinner and cause general mayhem? And you know, one is like H. H. Holmes. One is Jeffrey Dahmer. um There's a bunch of them. One is Eileen um, Warnos. And one is Richard Ramirez. He's the Night Stalker. Oh. And even in maybe. that, with all of them, he is super creepy. Ah, he is like, yeah, maybe extra I should go back creepy. And watch.
0: <laughs> maybe I should go back and watch that one, the fifth season. Yeah,
1: once you get past like the vampires and like the you know the weird studded strap-on thing, it gets better. You just have to get past some of that, the craziness that it starts with. <laughs>
0: right 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 um apparently there was also um a man in london that they called the night stalker too hmm didn't uh know that but he was a serial rapist as well um so yeah so it's um obviously we just touched on them you know briefly um you told me which i didn't even look up i just thought of it now again that um Sean Penn was in jail. He to yes. That.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. So I was reading, you know, because we've been like looking into this and we keep trying to um you know talk about this dude. And um I was looking into this and apparently Sean Penn, back when he went to he used to beat up a portion was in the county jail um at the same time that ramirez was there and um he said that I mean there's a couple of things. He exchanged some letters. Like he got like a letter from him and when they interviewed him for the Hollywood Reporter he said that he was in the LA county in a jail cell and he would like see him, you know, I guess in elevators or whatever and one of the deputies said, "Hey, you know, Richard Ramirez wants your autograph." And he said he didn't trust the deputy because he'd gotten in, like, some trouble. So he asked a sergeant and said if he approves it, he can write something first, and then I'll write something back. And he said it was like the guard almost wanted to play Cupid. So, like, they went over to Ramirez. They're both on 24-hour lockdown because, I guess, you know, Sean Penn can't act right. And Ramirez sent him a note that said, hey, Penn, stay tough and hit them again. Richard Ramirez 666 with a pentagram and like a little drawing of the devil. Um, He said that he didn't remember exactly what he wrote back, but he said he wrote back and said something like Richard, it's impossible to be incarcerated and not feel a certain kinship with your fellow inmates. Well, Richard, I've done the impossible. I feel absolutely no kinship to you. And I hope gas descends upon you before sanity does. It would be a kinder way out. Uh, He also mentioned something about Madonna coming to visit him and saying hey that guy over there he's like kind of handsome and he told her yeah that's the Night Stalker you want to meet him and she was like you know no (laughs) but (laughs) yeah so that's what happened but yeah he was in jail at the time um that Richard Ramirez was there And apparently, kind of talked to him. I was like, this is so weird. Only Sean Penn would have that kind of weird thing happen. Because he seems a little weird, you know? (laughs) Like, I can't think of anybody else that would have anything that weird happen. Except, like, I don't know, maybe Johnny Depp. Because he has weird stuff happen to him, too, it seems. Like, he'll have some weird crap happen, and you're like, of course that happened because you're Johnny Depp. I do too I love him and then they say really bad stuff about him and I'm like I don't care I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that I don't have to like actually be around him so if he's kind of you know violent and grumpy I don't have to know that I don't have to know that (laughs) yeah because I love him and I don't care he's like forever like the dude from like Chocolat to me because I love that movie so much it's like one of my favorite movies so that's who he is to me, and I don't care. But back to Ramirez.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, hey. <laughs> so yeah, back to Ramirez. So yeah, he was scary. He did a lot of bad things, um, ridiculously bad things. Uh, the people we we haven't. Um, well, I haven't. I shouldn't say we. Um, I haven't really looked into the survivors to see, like, what they're doing now or anything like that. So if anybody knows, you know, let us know if, you know, anybody's written any books or done anything, spoken out. Yeah, if there's
1: anything that you think would add to this, we're always interested in hearing more. And it's interesting how much... More things come out because now they have DNA and they have fingerprints and they have ways to look. Like we said at the beginning, the little girl that they think was actually his first murder, they linked him to her in like 2006. And they didn't announce that there was maybe someone else there until like 2016. And he'd been dead for three years by then. So there's always stuff. There could be, I mean, anything. I I would hope that they're keeping an eye on whoever that person was.
0: (laughs) I would hope so, too, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah. And we enjoyed talking to you guys about this, and we're going to... Hopefully, our next person we choose is not going to be someone that tries to make us not do it because this one, we had to try a million different times to get this.
0: <laughs> we sure did. So maybe next time we won't do like a person. We'll do a um, a place or things or something. Something weird.
1: Yeah. We're going to find something different because like we told you guys in the beginning, um, and you can see our website, we're going to talk about and it's going to be both killer, ghost, that kind of thing. So it's going to be all different kinds of stuff. Curiosities.
0: Okay, so I guess we are done. Mr. Ramirez, the Night Stalker, can get locked back in his box. And, uh, <laughs> and we will
1: take out something and maybe someone else next time to talk to you about.
0: Absolutely. Sounds like a plan to me. So we will see you next week. Or, well, you'll hear us yeah, next we, week. Yeah, we will
1: actually see you. <laughs> that would be a little creepy.
0: But you'll
1: definitely check us out next week
0: and talk to you then. We'll have some fun. Yeah. So have a good week. I- Bye. And we will see you next time in the dark.